had clients who've, you know, cried when they've seen their logo. You don't want to connect with your clients brain to brain. You want to connect heart to heart. And we're all too close to our own businesses to be objective. I actually have talked people out of hiring us. Your brand tells people your value. And we put such a huge amount of time and effort and energy into developing the color palette and the fonts and the styling. I don't sell logos, right? I sell confidence and clarity. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Welcome to the Business Brilliance Podcast, where every week we talk to business owners and entrepreneurs and get to know their business brilliance and share it with you. I am your host, Michael Santanato, and I'm a business owner and entrepreneur myself, and I just love talking business. Not like big corporate conglomerate business, but real grassroots, everyday people business. So if you're like me and you want to know what makes business owners successful and brilliant, and you love the journey of the entrepreneur from nothing to something, then join us every week and share it with a friend as we peel back the brilliance and implement it in our life and business. Now let's get on with the episode. Welcome everyone to the Business Brilliance Podcast. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good wherever you are. It's great to have you with us. We've got a special episode here for you today. We've got a branding expert, our first branding expert on the show. Branding is important, ladies and gentlemen. We've got Laura Beauparlant, and she's going to talk to us and teach us about how to attract the right clients and keep them. She's got a brand new book by that name called Brand Chemistry. She's gonna teach us about the keys to branding, the keys to a magic formula to get the right branding and attract the right clients. Now, I gotta tell you, I know Laura personally. We've met several months ago and we've had a great relationship and friendship since then. Many great conversations. And I think she's the perfect blend of practical left brain and like heart intuitive, you know, emotional aware right brain. So this is gonna be a real treat for you because since branding is about chemistry, she's going to teach us how to get it right. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. That was an awesome intro. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. It's one of the things I take pride in. Awesome. So why branding? I mean, I got to tell you, personally, for me, branding, not that huge of a deal, just for me. I know that it's important to get it right, but it's probably something I let someone else handle and I see it as kind of a static thing. And I bet you're going to give me and our listeners plenty of education around that, please. I hope to change your mind by the end of this chat. <laughs> it's happened before on the show. so. All right. Well, if I can do that in the next hour or so, then my job here is done. And hopefully I can share that with some of the other listeners too. Absolutely. So why branding? That's a great question. And I have to say it was very organic for me. I went to design school. I've been a designer for over 20 years and an entrepreneur now for over 15 years. So uh, this is actually Lab Creative is my second business. I had another business for 12 years, which was in the design world. And I won't go into too much detail about that, but I could see that I was changing and I had learned so much from different people over the years. And I realized that while I'm a great designer, I no longer wanted the role 
in my business as the principal designer. So I'm now the creative director of my business and I have a graphic designer who works for me full-time who does all of the creative stuff and I'm sort of the big picture vision and the, the minute detail. Like I'm with my years of experience, I bring a lot to that. So it's still very much my aesthetic and my feel that I'm not doing the day-to-day design work. But what I realized it, my sort of superpower and what I bring to the table is the relationships that I build with my clients and the rapport I build with them and how I make them feel comfortable and listened to. And I make branding a fun and exciting process and something that they feel connected to. And I've had clients who've, you know, cried when they've seen their logo. Wow. Joy, not to, like, <laughs> I should reframe that, but they like, is it normal to feel such an emotional connection to this thing? And I'm like, well, when you work with us, it is. <laughs> but holy crap. I'm amazed that you've had a client cry when looking at their logo. Yeah. I actually had somebody else who wanted to get it tattooed on them, you know? So, wow. and it sounds like so many people do logo design and I feel like it's such a, a commodity product in many mm. ways. And I don't sell logos, right? I sell confidence and clarity to my clients. I get them excited about their brand. I help them fall back in love with it if they've kind of, they're feeling a bit complacent or frustrated or overwhelmed. I have that ability to really listen to people and the entire process I've developed, my methodology called Brand Camp, which is what the book is based on and the first phase of everything I do with my clients And it's really about helping them get the clarity and confidence around who they are, who they serve, why they do what they do, and really how to connect with their clients on more of a heart-to-heart level as opposed to more of a cerebral level, right? Like you don't want to connect with your clients brain-to-brain. You want to connect heart-to-heart. And the entire process that I've developed is... I do that with my clients and then I help them do that with their clients. So it's that chain reaction, right? That chemistry is my magic. And so the branding piece was an evolution. I didn't realize for years that that was something I was helping my clients with. I thought, well, I'm a graphic designer and that's what I do. I design logos and stationery and websites, but it's really the work that comes before it to help define the brand before we design it. And our design work got exponentially better once I implemented my process, my methodology, because we got to know our clients so much better and they got to know themselves. Mm, wow. They learned things about themselves that they didn't really know or that nobody had ever asked them before. And we're all too close to our own businesses to be objective. Yes. And to see I, it. Yes. That is, I feel like that's a very powerful statement. We are too close to our businesses to see it. We're too like, it's like the working in your business versus working on your business. Exactly. So I actually did not do the branding for Lab Creative. I brought in somebody to help me with that because I knew I was too close to it. So I didn't actually design my own brand. I didn't, I needed somebody to come in and ask me the questions and challenge me and push me and then design the visuals. Obviously I art directed that and I was a huge part of it, but I had to practice what I preach. I knew that I was too close to my own brand, just like all my clients are, to be objective. Powerful. So how often should we step back? Should we do this like on a regular basis or like, and you know, every couple of years or what? Well, you made an interesting comment at the beginning that you see a brand as a static thing. 
And I actually see it as the opposite. To me, it's a living thing. It's a living, breathing entity that it's not a once and done. Mm -hmm. You can't just create the brand and then stick it in a drawer Mm -hmm. and never look at it again. You will iterate. You will learn new things about yourself. You will pivot. Your business will pivot. Your clients will pivot. The industry as a whole will change. There's so much you have to be aware of. And you have to make sure that you are on track. So we always create a brand foundation document for our clients so that they can go back and take a look at what's the personality of our brand? What's the tone when I'm on social media? How should I be writing? What are the benefits of working with us? How can I connect with my audience? And so I actually recommend people keep that document somewhere where they can readily see it and look at it on a you know, at least a monthly basis to make sure that their messaging is consistent with the visuals, but also consistent from one post to the next, if you're thinking about social media or blogging or on your website. And then you have to be aware that you might change, like I said, or your clients. I have one client right now who we did her branding probably about three years ago or so. And her angle on what she does is changing and she's niched down really, really specifically to a specific segment of the market. So all of her, her whole brand foundation has to shift and all the content on her website and some other things is changing because she's changing who she serves. No way. Right. So, and that's just the reality. My brand has evolved in the last three years, right? Lab creative, the look and feel is essentially the same, but you know, some of the messaging has shifted. Some of our visuals have, you know, grown and developed. I've developed my program and my book. So if you look at Lab Creative and you look at Brand Camp, my program, and you look at the book, they all use the same colors and fonts. They all have their own kind of individual brand, but they all tie in together. Yeah. So no matter where you see me or what I'm posting, it's recognizable. And so many people, one of the biggest mistakes is inconsistency that people are because we have so many different platforms that we're on that somebody looks and sounds totally different on LinkedIn than they might on Facebook, than they might on their website, on Instagram. Yeah. And you're diluting your brand and confusing your potential clients. That's a really great point about the separate platforms because I recently bought, you know, like some program that will message people on LinkedIn and reach out to them and make those connections. And we didn't get the response we thought we'd get. I let my business manager manage that. Not only did we not get the response we get, but it alerted me to the fact that I don't have much going on on LinkedIn and I'm not comfortable on LinkedIn either. Like I'm such a people person. I'm so like, I pride myself on being relatable and, you know, I know how to connect with people and I love people. And that's kind of my strength is, you know, my superpowers like people and conversations and relationships. And I found LinkedIn so like dry and professional and like corporate. And I'm like, this is not me at all. Let me just get off this thing. I think I should just get off this platform altogether. Do you guide that? Like, is there platform brand match? Is there like a platform that goes with your brand? It's interesting you bring up LinkedIn because LinkedIn is one of my favorites along with Instagram. So two totally different styles, Mm -hmm. different. I mean, Instagram also satisfies me personally because I'm a creative, so it's very beautiful. But LinkedIn is more of a direct, like I've actually gotten business more directly from LinkedIn than Instagram. Mm -hmm. But Instagram keeps me, you know, I can see who's 
you know, seeing me, it's a great place to be visible. So it's great to be good with people in person. And so am I, like, that's definitely a superpower that I have too. But if they don't then see me repeatedly on different platforms or get my email, yeah. they're going to forget about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it's injecting your personality. So who says LinkedIn has to be dry and boring? Come on, tell me. I don't know. Uh, Does it? It, no, and I'll give you an example. So I posted a photo that my 11, well, now 12-year-old son took of me holding a stack of my books when they first came in from the printer. So literally hot off the presses, I've got this big stack of books. I have the biggest grin on my face. Like I look like a kid at Christmas. And it's a snapshot that my kid took. I posted it on LinkedIn. The last time I saw, there was over 12,000 views on that photo. And I have about 1,500 connections. Wow. And it, the comments and the likes, like thousands of likes and new connections, people that were... And I thought, how interesting that this photo of me looking so joyful yeah. and authentic... Yeah resonates so deeply with people that is, you know, you have to post different. Like I don't post always the same way or content that I do on something like Instagram or Facebook as I do on LinkedIn, but why can't we still inject our personality? Mm -hmm. There's no point in stripping ourselves out of our posts. You might as well not post. Yeah. So I really try no matter what platform I'm on to make sure that my personality comes through and the brand's personality and then tailor it to that platform and what best suits that platform. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're doing tweaking, like the back of your book says, think first, design later. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're talking about. So you're talking about, think about your brand, right? Get your brand chemistry right and then match it to the platform and then be yourself on that platform and tweak yourself a little to that platform. Is that right? I think it's more the, the format, right? Like Instagram is square, right? So square doesn't work as well on a format like LinkedIn, you know, hashtags seem to be used differently on those two platforms as well. They're not, it's not quite the same, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, I would probably keep the same copy. You don't want it to feel like you're customizing the copy to fit the platform too much. It's more just what they require and what suits it best in terms of the format. That's more what I mean. Just like Twitter, you can only have so many characters. Okay. Right? So it's more about that makes sense. I see what you're saying. Yeah. The way in which you post. Right. On LinkedIn, you have to have the actual link. Whereas Instagram, it's the link is in your bio. So you have to say link in bio on Instagram, but on LinkedIn, you would have the actual URL in your post. There's a little bit of customization, mm-hmm. but you should still be yourself no matter where you're posting. Thank you. I feel like you've given me permission. Absolutely. <laughs> so you, you've given us all permission to be who we are on, regardless of whatever platform we're on. I think the key is like you need to be professional no matter what platform you're on. If you have a yeah. personal Facebook page and you keep that private, I do. Most of the people, I mean, I have some business connections on my personal Facebook page. But I don't accept friend requests from anybody that I haven't met, don't know, don't want to have, you know, it's not that I don't want to be connected to you, but that's not where I conduct business. That's for pictures of my kids and Mm. 
per, more personal. It's for my family and friends around the world I to see. be able to see my family and for me to see theirs. It's not a business tool wow. per se, but my, I have a business Facebook page. I have a yeah. business Instagram. I have LinkedIn. Like there's a plethora of other places you can connect with me without us being friends on Facebook. But that doesn't mean that if you're friends with me on Facebook and that, and you follow me on other social media, that I'm a completely different person. I'm the same person, but it's the content I'm showing is just different. Yeah. It's more personal. And, but I, in, I inject some of my personal life into my business because people also want to know who you are. You know, one of my most liked photos on Instagram is a photo of me with my family at my book launch party. So it's like my husband and my kids and I, and that's nice. because that resonates with people. They want to see the person behind the business. So you can't hide. Nobody wants to yeah. work with a business if they can't connect with true. the owner or the people that will be working with. Yeah, true. I want to talk about, there's got to be a perfect marriage between sales and branding because I'm in my um, seventh year now in business. And my first few years, I did a lot of everything, which meant I did a lot of nothing. <laughs> I didn't have any formal training. I didn't do any business courses. You know, I didn't have like a direct mentor. And I was very young and very arrogant. And I just thought I'm going to do it all. And it's all going to work. Very, very arrogant. Very stubborn. Right. And so that, that was my first few years. But I remember having one thankful like epiphany moment where I was working on my branding and my website and like tweaking the website and tweaking the branding and making the messaging right in the copy. And I realized I've been doing this for the last like few weeks and I'm just actually accomplishing nothing. And I haven't done any sales. And it was a form of procrastination. It was a form of self-sabotage that I thankfully had this moment. And I was like, Oh my God, I've got to stop wasting time on things like this. And I've got to go help someone. I've got to go sell something. You know what I mean? So I absolutely, there's probably people, you know, going through that and they're wherever they are. What also helped me were some of these books that talked about, you know, like sell first and design the product second, right? Like find out if there's a need first and then make that sale, make that connection and then go design it, then go work on it, then go work on your brand, that sort of thing. Right. Can you talk about that marriage? Like when is the right time? Because there's people starting up businesses. There's, there's people who are listening to this, who are wanting to be or planning to be entrepreneurs or business owners in the future. I think there's a few different approaches to it. And it depends that it's a tricky answer. So for people who are really planning on building something big and they want to move quickly and scale, they need to come out of the gates with a brand that looks like they are playing in the big leagues. Does that make sense? Yes. Whereas I speak with some people and it's kind of a side hustle or, you know, it just where they are in their life. I actually have talked people out of hiring us because I don't believe they should be spending the money on us where they are. I believe they need to figure out their business model a little bit more and determine if they actually want to do this as a business. So that happened to me twice in the last few months where I said, you know what, this isn't what you need right now. In fact, I'm now, I feel like this has come up a lot. So I'm, I'm looking at actually developing a brand coaching program specifically for like the side hustlers and the people who are kind of bootstrapping it and aren't at a place where they can, whether it's not afford or investor or, or whatever you want to call in the brand, 
I can guide them on my knowledge in branding and social media and marketing and messaging and my 15 years as an entrepreneur to help them find the right path. And then when they're ready, perhaps they can hire us to work on their branding with them. But so I would say 90% of our clients are, have had a business already for the last, like, let's say two to five years, sometimes up to 10 years. And they're at a place where they're changing, their business is changing, their market's changing, and they need to rebrand. Or they're not actually attracting the right clients. Mm. People aren't wanting to pay them what they charge or deserve. This happens all the time. I've had people say, people don't want to, you know, they want to pay me a fraction of what I charge. And then I look at their branding and I'm like, well, that's because you look like you charge a fraction of what you do. So their brand is actually telling people that they're cheaper than they are. Wow. Your brand tells people your value. Wow. Before they've even spoken to you. Wow. Uh, This is ninja. I got to tell you, this is brilliant because what I got, as you were saying, was, you know, you look at a company like Chevy or Ford, those car commercials, and they're like rugged and Ford is always like rugged and tough and like built tough and Ford. And it's like loud clanking and like metal churning. So they're obviously, you know, going towards like a working man, like proud construction Joe you know, like uh, messy, sloppy, dirty, get your hands dirty, right? And then you look at a car company like uh, Mercedes and it's like, uh, it's like shiny. Yeah. And like the, the light is hitting the logo and the sun is shining and they're driving through the desert and like some guy in a suit and some girl in a dress and that's Mercedes, right? Yeah. And so yeah. who they're catering to. That and fonts have a huge amount to do with that. Colors also. And space, like white space, like, you know, if you look at luxury brands, there's a lot of white space, right? And a lot of, they're elegant or they've got like a certain style of fonts. And you, if you looked at, you know, luxury brands, you pulled those up on Google, you'd see the similarities between them. Whereas if you looked at like low-end brands, like the Walmarts and the, you know, the cheaper brands, they also have a look and kind of a color palette to them. So. Colors and fonts have a huge influence on the perceived value of your products or services. That's big. And a lot of people don't realize that. And we put such a huge amount of time and effort and energy into developing the color palette and the fonts and the styling to really fit the personality of the brand at the the price point of what you offer and the types of clients that you're going after. So you really need to assess that from, it's not just about creating a pretty logo and choosing a font. Like, is that the right style? Like there's a lot of thought that goes into these things that the average person might not realize. Wow. No kidding. I mean, you, your depth of vision and what you see and what you've got going on in your brain, when you look at a logo or branding is so vastly different from like the average person. You know? Yeah. And that's probably what something really special that I bring to the table. Even if you look at my social media, you know, my Instagram stories, I've seen a lot over the years and they just, they're covered in hashtags and this and that, and they're messy and they're overwhelming to look at. I hide my hashtags 
in my Insta stories, Uh. right? So I actually, you get a, uh, you can change the color and you can shrink them down. And then I just put them somewhere in the picture that's hidden so that it doesn't clutter up the post. Oh, that's brilliant. Right? So if you look at any of my Insta stories, they're clean, they're fresh. I might have a couple of tags or little things, but I'll do the best I can to, to kind of keep that a bit more low key so that they're still there. I still want it to be searchable, but I don't want it to overwhelm people. Yeah. And I find that people are overwhelming their audience with words and inconsistencies and too many different messaging. And they're trying to attract everybody and do every, be everything to everybody. And they're really not doing that well at any of those things because they're not really clear on what they do. And if they're not clear, then their audience won't be clear either. And now some great resources that we are excited to share with you. www.whatsmyrefund.com. Whatsmyrefund.com is a website that will bring you to a tax recovery service for Canadians. This is a fantastic company that I've used over the years, and I think it's a brilliant resource. I just have to share it with you. Did you know that there are over $2 billion that the Canadian government knows they owe to Canadian citizens? This is a tax recovery service that will go through 10 years of your taxes for you on your behalf using a brilliant algorithm that they've created, which will quickly and instantly recognize in a short period of time if you have money that's owing to you from the government. They charge nothing up front. If they find anything, their fee is 33% of whatever they recover. It takes two minutes to fill out the application online, and you'll know within a short period of time if you'll be getting a refund. I myself personally have received over $3,000 from a refund, and this is after my father and I completed our taxes together. Oh, and by the way, my dad was a bank manager, and he completed taxes for people on the regular. Much love, Dad. Thank you so much. But this service is dedicated to your tax recovery. Go to www.whatsmyrefund.com. How does a brand communicate what a company does? I mean, aside from like something obvious, like Coca-Cola has a beverage with a black juice in it. You know, that's pretty obvious. But uh, if you've never seen the Google logo before, how could you get that Google just from the G does you know, search or make your life easier through technology? Well, I mean, it's, that's, it's hard to compare ourselves to something like Google, right? Like the average person, we can't, like, there's a lot of lessons. In fact, I've done some trainings around, you know, lessons from the big brands Mm. and how to apply them to your small business, because just because they've got millions and billions of dollars of budget for marketing and branding, doesn't mean that small businesses are doing anything that different. We just have a different budget for these things. So there's a lot of things that we can take from them, but you can't look at the Nike swoosh and the Google logo and the Starbucks one that doesn't even have their name in it anymore and think that we as small businesses are anywhere remotely close to having a brand that will be that recognizable Uh without a name or a tagline or something. For sure. Your logo doesn't have to say what you do. And that's a misconception. Some people want it to be really like accurate and descriptive of like, this is the thing and this is what we do. And sometimes that works, but for the most part, it should be somewhat abstract. It should be unique and memorable and something that will obviously stand out from their competition. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at your 
industry, you would find that there's a lot of similar, like in financial services, right? Blue and green are probably the two biggest colors for brands that you would find in that space. And a lot of like chart graph looking like growth and arrows and yeah. things like that, because that's people like, oh, people want to see growth and they want to see this. And, but then you just look like every other brand that's out there. Uh-huh. So just by coming at it with a different color and a logo that doesn't have that or uses some different kind of visual, you're already going to find a way to stand out so that you become memorable to your audience. Uh-huh. And now I can't remember if that actually answers the question you just asked me. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It, it answers it. And um, it answers it in a number of ways. And I think what I'm present to is, do you have sort of like a chart or like a matrix for, you know, if you're at this stage, this is the branding you need. If you're at that stage, that's the branding you should have. Or if that you're at that stage, you know, this is the branding you should have. Because the question I'm thinking as you're speaking is how much branding do we need? And for what stage, like you said, those multi-billion dollar brands, they've got, they can blow a million dollars on a logo and they'll achieve a certain thing. For a startup person or somebody who's like three years in business or five years in business, there's gotta be different levels of, you know, what's needed. Yeah, I believe that everybody needs that foundation piece. And I describe it as, imagine that your brand as a puzzle. Most people are actually trying to build the puzzle and put pieces together that don't fit or they don't know what they're actually building. So they're being somewhat reactive. They're just like, oh, here's a piece and I'll stick it in here, but it doesn't fit together. It's like not having the puzzle box with the picture on it to know what it is that you're building, right? So if you don't have the foundation, you don't really know what it is that you're creating and you're just kind of going and you're building as you go. Okay. Whereas the foundation is actually, imagine that that's cover the box of the puzzle with the picture on it of what it is that you're creating. So now you know exactly what pieces you need and how to put it all together. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see. So what you're saying is like when you buy a puzzle, you're you're going through the journey of putting this whole thing together, not knowing which pieces go where, but you've got that picture on the cover of the box that says, this is your final product. This is what it looks like. This is your guideline. Exactly. So you have a goal you know what you're striving for, you know where you're going. It doesn't mean that the puzzle's always easy to put together, right? Some sections of puzzles can be, you know, you get a blue sky or something and you're like, oh my God, these all look the same. So it's not that it's always easy. There will be effort you will put into it, but your brand shouldn't feel like you're pushing a boulder up a hill. It should feel quite natural to represent your brand. I've had people say to me, oh my God, isn't it exhausting to always be on brand? And I'm like, nope, because this is me, right? Even though Lab Creative has, it's not my name, it's my business and it's not just me, it's easy, it's effortless for me to show up as my brand because it so easily correlates to who I am as a business owner, as a creative person. So If you feel like the brand you're putting out there into the world is completely different from you and it takes a lot of effort to post something or it just pushes against everything that you, who you are, then it's the wrong brand for you. It's inauthentic. So when you have an authentic brand that aligns with you and the right clients, it should be much easier and flow so much better because you're not trying to be something that you're not. And that's where having that authenticity in your brand is so, and I know that seems like it's a real buzzword right now, 
but that's the truth. And your brand is so much more than just a logo. So you were asking, you know, how does the G of Google tell you what they do? Well, it's not about one thing, right? The Lab Creative logo is one thing and everybody's logo is one part of the brand, but it goes so much deeper. It's every touch point somebody has with your business. It's how you answer the phone or respond to emails. It's your social media presence. It's the language you use. It's the contract you send. It's every interaction people have with you that reflect your brand. So as an example, on our website, we actually don't have any pictures of our products, like the end result of our design work. We have pictures of us interacting with our clients. And that was because I listened to my clients because they were all saying to me in a testimonial or in an email that they hired us because they felt listened to and supported. And it was like a no brainer for them. They just felt that that it was right. It was a feeling that drove them to hire us. But of course they were like, the design works amazing. Like they, that was kind of a no brainer. And the reality is that we have to be amazing at what we do. You have to be amazing at what you do. Everyone listening, that's the bare minimum it takes just to be in business. You know, in the game of poker, that's called table stakes. It's the bare minimum you need just to show up and play the game. But there's a whole lot of other things you need to be able to do as an entrepreneur to have a successful, thriving business that go far beyond just being really good at the thing that you do. So Obviously, we're great at that end product, but it's all of the other things and the experience of working with us and how we make our clients feel that's actually what makes us successful. And that's really interesting because I'm no longer selling logos and websites. I'm selling clarity and confidence around their brand and helping people fall in love and with their brand and be successful with that. So that's really my goal is no longer about selling our design services. It's about selling what they're going to get from that experience. This is magic. Awesome. This is magical. I love Uh, magic. (laughs) I got to tell you, this is really magical. This is really brilliant. You've made it sound effortless. You've made it sound easy. And I'll tell you from my personal experience, you know, I'll be honest, I've neglected, you know, the brand in the past. Sometimes replying to an email or replying to a prospect, there's a mental diarrhea of thoughts <laughs> with this option or that, or there's this, or there's that, or how do I say it? And then who's, who's this coming from? And then what's that? So I obviously don't have that foundation piece <laughs> and I need that. I'm going to be reaching. I can help you with that. <laughs> yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness you, you can. I'm, re- I'm going to be reaching out to you for that. So what I got from what you said is when you have that foundation piece, it's like, I won't have that mental garbage of of stuff. I'm just going to have this clarity, this confidence of this is what it is. This is how we do. This is how we help. That's what we are. Yeah. And I thought I had that. I thought I had that, but because I, I can say those words and I know what that is, but the way you've explained it made me feel completely different. Interesting. I felt completely different. Like when you explained it, I felt the ease. I felt the confidence. I felt the clarity of this is who we are. I stand confidently in that. Yeah, that's awesome. My job here is done. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is. No, (laughs) I got to chill. I got to chill as I said that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that. That's to me why I've chosen to work with entrepreneurs Yeah, and small businesses, like very small. We don't work with big corporate. We don't work with big businesses. I, I thought 
a few years ago, I should go after that kind of business to be, you know, bigger budgets and retainer work, mm. but it didn't feel right in my gut. It didn't yeah. sit right with me. And I had to take the time to really sit with that and realize why, you know, and I listened, I I've learned that I have to listen to my gut. I think we all do. Yes. We don't do it enough. Yes. And I was like, no, I get joy. Like those emails of like, is it normal to get tears in your eyes and goosebumps when you see your logo for the first time? Yes, that you don't get that from corporate. You get that from entrepreneurs yeah. because they have an emotional connection to their business because they're the one that started it. There's yeah. So to me, I love that I get to share my 15 years as an entrepreneur and what I, my lessons to hopefully help them not repeat maybe some of my mistakes all the things I've learned from all the experts I've worked with and had the pleasure to know. And also to, you know, to just bring that level of understanding and listening to my clients. I love that. I love the experience of seeing them grow and thrive and they're them getting those clients who will pay them what they deserve and have the confidence to ask for what they, yeah. they want in, in what they do. And we all deserve to have a business we love that gives us financial freedom, that allows us to have the life we want to live. I believe in designing my life. I'm sure everybody listening does. Otherwise, you wouldn't be an entrepreneur, yeah. <laughs> right? It's not the easy road. It's the road we take because we don't want the status quo. We want something different and bigger for ourselves and our families and everybody we touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a mission. We feel compelled to perform. We've got a gift. We feel compelled to give. We see a need, and like it goes right to the heart. And it's like you know, you want to. You've got to get that heart out. You know, like we've got to get our expression out. You know, I think expression is like one of Maslow's. You know, a later like hierarchy of needs or something, right? Yeah. I want to say thank goodness that you're not doing the corporate work. But thank, you know, just thank goodness that you're helping small business owners. Thank goodness that you're helping the the solopreneurs, the givers, the people who the crazy ones, you know, <laughs> to, to to quote Steve Jobs, because because um, let me tell you, they're the ones that need it. Exactly. Because in today's age and day and age, I know there's so many entrepreneurs and people that have this deep desire to give and share and connect and serve. And millennials, I'm a millennial. It's like 64 percent of us say we can make a difference. And I, and I am that we are, we are, we're going to, we are, it's happening now. You know what I mean? A lot of yeah. the great causes and great missions and great businesses out there now that are really changing lives, really changing the planet are from millennials or other, you know, people in my age range. And, um, we need the branding to communicate who we are and what we do and what we offer when we're not communicating. Yeah. When, when our lips are not moving, we need our brand to do that work. And thanks to you, we can and we will. Amazing. You could have the best business in the world, best idea, but if you don't communicate it, if you don't, if you're not authentic and you're not visible and you're not consistent with that and you don't stand out from the crowd, you'll never get it off the ground, right? You need to find mm -hmm. that way and embrace what makes you different. People, there's a lot of fear around being authentic and standing out. People are almost going towards the wallflower, you know, by trying to emulate their competition or fit in. And 
we've got to move away from that, right? We're not in high school. We don't need to fit in anymore. Yeah. Right? Not that you did necessarily in high school, but I feel like I fit in a lot. I tried to fit in a lot more in high school with different groups. And I was kind of like, I could kind of flow between different people and meld myself to kind of fit with the different people, but have a position, own it because you'll have a more distinct voice. You won't be for everybody and that's okay. Give yourself permission to be okay with not attracting everybody Uh because by doing that, it'll, it'll allow the right people to raise their hand and show up for you. Yes. And it'll bring you more joy because you're actually working with people that you love to work with that bring you joy. We didn't start a business to work with crappy people who make us miserable. We've all had those clients, uh, you know, I'm raising my hand, but like we've all had those people that make us crazy, that make us lose sleep, that give you an eye twitch or whatever, like an ulcer. But we have to find a way to reduce those numbers or delete them altogether. Part of that is mm-hmm. listening to your gut. And part of that is getting crystal clear on who you serve. Amazing. So that only the right people show up in your world. Yeah, amazing. So glad we're talking about this. We talked a lot about fitting in. I almost feel like we need to fit out. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if fit out were a word, it's like we need to fit out of those circles and those people we're trying to appease and trying to be like and just be the people that we are and let that resonate and connect with the people that we're supposed to serve. Exactly. So I'll share a quick story and it's kind of a funny one, but I used to straighten my hair. So my hair is naturally curly and I started my business when I was 27 and I'm, you know, blonde and curly hair. And for whatever reason, in my mind, straight hair would make me look more professional, like (laughs) sleek, whatever. Like that was a thing in my own head that perception wise, I thought it would help me be perceived as (laughs) maybe older, more professional. (laughs) And it was about around the time that I rebranded to Lab Creative. So just about four years ago where I stopped straightening my hair and it's actually become my curly hair has become my signature. Oh, it makes me recognizable. And I'm not, I don't apologize for my curly blonde hair anymore, even though to me, it, it might sound ridiculous, but actually the number of people who've come to me and said, I straighten my hair too, or I've done this to make myself look more professional, or I dress this way because I think I have to. And who says yeah. you have to, mm. right? Like that's a lot of it is stories we put in our own head and these rules that have been made up that who says we have to follow them and mm-hmm. let's try to break from the norm a bit more. Let's try to stand out. Yeah. You know, you don't go to an event and dress so that you look like everybody else because then nobody's going to remember you dress authentically. Don't dress outrageously if that's not your personality, but you want to be recognizable. I've had, I've had people come up to me at events because they recognize me from my photo on a Facebook group that we're on a part of, or from LinkedIn, or they've seen, follow me on Instagram because my photos also look just like me. Oh, right. So it's important that, you know, your photos on your website or on social media actually look like you because that helps with brand recognition. Like I said, people have come up to me at events because they've already followed me. They know me, they rec- they feel like they know me because of what I share on social media and because my photos look like me. So that's important too. I see. Amazing. It's very cool. It's very, 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 very cool. You've got my brain turning. I <laughs> the think wheels we need... are turning. <laughs> yeah. Something's turning in there. 
Um, as you were speaking, a couple of things I, I want to mention. I, I know we have to wrap up soon. As you were speaking, I was thinking about Ellen, the TV show host, Ellen. Yeah. I yeah. feel like she's such a great representation of who she is. It's ultra magnetic. Everything about her, it's yeah. like, it's just who she is. It's ultra magnetic. Like her show is so successful because she's just so well liked because people just like her so yeah. much. You know, what is she on her like 10th or 15th year now? You know, now she's like, she's, I think 15th, right? She's scaring people. Like that's a big thing. She's got all these YouTube videos of her scaring celebrities in the middle of an interview. She likes to scare people that communicate. That's amazing. And now it's a whole thing, right? There's like a yeah. whole ethos. You know, she gives the gifts, she gives away like her, it's funky. She danced for like 10 years to some funky music that ended up being an accident, by the way, I heard, but this yeah. was just so yeah. her, like the goofy dancing was like, is it cool? I'm not sure. Is it weird? Who cares? It's Ellen. 10 years later, you know, she was still dancing. I feel like when we can really be ourselves, then that will be the most magnetic that'll communicate. Yes. Yeah. I just watched Ellen's Netflix special. Oh, relatable. So great. And so good. And, but there was a point in that where she said, you know, if you look back to her earlier shows, she's wearing like necklaces and like her clothes, her attire has changed. So now when she shows up, she's like super authentic Ellen. Yeah. But in the beginning, there was pressure for her to show up and look and dress a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't natural to her. And she did it to kind of appease people, I, I believe. But now that she's more authentically her, you can see that yeah. it's, you know, this is really her and we've seen her brand evolve and you feel like, you know, her, like, don't you feel like we could all just be her best friend? Yeah. We, some of us feel like we are. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you want that in your own brand. It doesn't mean you have to be friends with all of your clients. So it's not about building friendships, but people are craving relationships and human interactions. So the more human you can make your brand, the better. Don't hide behind a facade. Be you, be authentic because you know, we are we sit behind a computer so much, we're on a phone, we're on, on social media, we're so tech heavy in our lives that even if people don't realize it, they're craving emotional connections with people. Yeah. So if you have the way to do that through your computer through social platforms. And then when you meet them in person, it just solidifies things. Mm -hmm. That's super powerful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks. Got those wheels turning again. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, this is an area of weakness for me. So I'm really, I'm really fascinated and I'm definitely, you know, having light bulb moments myself. And I, I hope our listeners are as well. This is obviously important, right? We're in a digital world. We're in an online world. So do you do like a review for people? Like, I feel like I need a review. I need like a, a big review. So do you, is that one of the things you offer? Is that like an entry point where you review people's brands? Yeah. It's called a brand audit. Yeah. I'm, so I'm happy to offer it to you and anyone listening. So we can, uh, I'll send you the link and you can add it to the show notes so people can sign up for a call. And it's about half an hour, 45 minutes. So it's quite a bit of my time where we dig deep into, you know, why you started your business, where you're going with it, what your struggles are. I review everything you've got online and give you my assessment of, whether or not I think, you know, maybe what you're doing right and what you could be doing better and whether or not 
you really need some help with with your branding from an outside source or there's little things you can fix yourselves. It really depends on where people are at, but I'm, I'm happy to offer you and anyone listening that. I'm thrilled because I'm taking you up on it. And Amazing. And, you know, I avoid going to the dentist. You know, you're supposed to go every year, every six months. The doctor, you're supposed to go every year. So I don't know. I avoid those things. It's like, I know I should do them, but I know. Today, right now, I'm like, Michael needs a brand audit, a brand review. Okay, well, I'm going to hold you accountable, and we're going to make all of the listeners <laughs> yeah. hold you accountable for that, too. <laughs> Fantastic. By the next episode, I already will have done it, I right. guarantee you. Perfect. So you got the brand review, the brand audit. This is really important. You offer this complimentary for people, which is a very, very generous gift of your time. And you know, your knowledge and your expertise. So thank you so much for doing that. We'll have the link in the notes. And um, anything else you want to say before we go, like what people should know or what where, where people can find you as well? Sure. Well, there's a couple of things I'd also love to offer. I have a branding guide. It's um, 15 ingredients for creating your ideal brand formula. So you can go to labcreative.ca slash guide. So we can add that as well to the show notes. So that's a free download. And it outlines the elements you need, you know, that the think first side of that, and then the design. So it kind of gives you the big picture of all of the elements you need for your brand. Uh, So if anybody's interested, they can sign up for that. And uh, you can check out my book called Brand Chemistry, which is available on Amazon. And uh, you can always reach me on social media. Lab Creative Inc. is our handle on most channels. You know what? You've nailed it. You def- This is the Business Brilliance podcast, and you're definitely brilliant. You've got the consistency. <laughs> Your book is Brand Chemistry. You talked about ingredients. You talked about formulas. There was something else as well. I'm like, this is, you just keep hitting the same market. Consistent. Oh, your, your brand yeah. is lab creative. I'm like, chemistry, yeah. lab, lab, chemistry, ingredients, formula. Yeah. You're a ninja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, that's really the purpose. It's that the chemistry, the formula, like there is a formula, there's formula to everything, but it's also the magic and the art of what we bring to the table as creatives. So it's a combination of a formula and that magic. So I was saying to you earlier, before we we got on that, I've just created a t-shirt for myself that says chemistry and magic, because I believe that's my that's sort of my superpower is, is developing and creating that chemistry and adding in my magic to the, to the whole thing. Fantastic. Delightful. Thank you. Very educational, very informative, very, very much needed for me. I hope our listeners feel the same. Laura, thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to have the links and the listings, everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. You and I will be in contact soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was lots of fun. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to the Business Brilliance Podcast. I am your host, Michael Santanato. If you liked this show and you want to know more, then check out businessbrilliancepodcast.com. Give us some feedback, drop us a line, or if you know a great guest, then let us know. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next week when we talk to another great entrepreneur and talk about their business and what makes them brilliant. Do you want to be a guest on the show? let us know at our website, businessbrilliancepodcast.com. Have a great week and stay brilliant. And subscribe for more great episodes.